Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs, I Michael Thompson talking. It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. This is Jerry Rose. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Yeah. I'm waiting for Ben Stiller to come knock on my door because we're too loud. We're too too boisterous. I, I was going to say brolic. Brolic's <laughs> a good word, though. I like brolic. There's a, Jen Snapchatted me while I was snoring the other day. And like she's like, who are you yelling at? And I'm like, this customer. And she's like, what do you mean this customer? And I'm like, this bleep bleep over here getting loud trying to be brolic with me. And then I start snoring again. And I wish mm-hmm. she would have saved it. That's tight. I'm like, what Nas track was I listening to that made me think of the word brolic uh, before I went to bed? <laughs> You're over there listening to the Belly soundtrack. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. God, that movie is good. Uh, fun show tonight. Uh, Luke Warshan will be on shortly here right after our opening break. Titansize.com. Talking Jordans. Tennessee Titans tonight. Jordan, mm-hmm. you excited? I'm the super excited. I'm so excited. I, I even had our, our comeback bumper music is Tennessee inspired. <laughs> I, I'm Oscar excited. award winning is all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we, we're getting back on the uh, the football preview. So this is going to be fun. Uh, we'll get these rolling here as we move. Hey, football starts in two days. So that's going to be awesome to talk about. Uh, middle of the show, we got a little M- MLB trade deadline. We're going to talk about the 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 god awful Minnesota Twins and how they just can't win at anything. Um, the 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 crazy like way that this trade went from last year to this year and putting the pieces together as to who got what blows my mind. How the Twins continue to be losers. Uh, as a Dodgers fan, though, I will say thank you. But as a hometown fan of the Twins, this is why I cheer for the Dodgers over the Twins instead of other way around, like Vikings over Cardinals and Wild over Lightning and such. Because they're idiots, and their front office is trash, and this proves it more and more. So I apologize now if I do rant, Jordan, but we'll we'll break that down, talk about what's going on in the league, obviously, a couple months left in the season. And I got a question for you about the Anaheim Angels, Jordan, that I really want to get your opinion on, kind of piggybacking with the Bryce Harper talk that we had last week, but with another set of superstars, you could say, that that team has, so... That'll be a fun one we'll get into. And obviously, uh, closing out tonight, we just got a little hodgepodge in the final segment. You know I'm bringing up the Kobe rumor, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I had a feeling that was going to come up. It's definitely. We're, we're going we're gonna to talk about the hypotheticals. I, I do actually, though, uh, I, I want to talk that roster, and I want to get your thoughts on that starting roster because a lot of people are kind of brainstorming what we could see. So I do want to break that down. Uh, we got some real MVPs. I do got a spit take for Jordan tonight. Uh, and also, I'm sure other randomness is going to happen because that's what we do here. But we'll be right back. We're going to hit you with that quick first break. When we come back, Luke Warsham's coming on TitanSize.com. We're breaking down the Titans Sportscast Radio. Looking to get a head start on deer hunting season? Let FML Solutions point you in the right direction. Hi, Alex from Strong Style Media here, letting our listeners know deer season just got a heck of a lot easier. 
FML Solutions offer a fantastic deer stand that only takes 30 minutes to assemble and disassemble with no tools required. The best part, though, is its ingenious design allows it to double as a cart to haul your trophy back to the truck. FML Solutions is a made-in-the-USA product manufactured right here in Minnesota. Check out FML Solutions on Facebook by searching FML Solutions INC and visit FMLSolutionsInc.com to learn more about this innovative gear stand. When you send a message, your name will identify you to the other caller. Record your name after the tone. Hey yo, it's Sportscast Radio. You need to record a new greeting and record after the tone. Hit any key when you're done. Ryan Cook and Jordan Jiskra give you the best in sports of the week with real MVPs, spit takes, big news, and obviously those rumors. Strong Style Media is available on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, blogtalkradio.com. That means anywhere. You're connected. Say hi. You a fan of hot takes that make you say this? Join me, Ryan Cook, and my co-host Alex Mello every Monday night right here on Strong Style Media. We'll give you the goods from New Japan Pro Wrestling, WWE, Impact, Ring of Honor, Stardom, All Japan, Lucha Underground, and many, many more. Catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio TuneIn, Player FM, and now on iHeartRadio. As always, blog talk. Radio.com forward slash strong style media as well. And you know, you get us on social media. Hit us up. We got to get back to the ring. It's time for the man. You have the lowest fantasy football winnings I've ever seen. You have earnings dysfunction. I recommend DraftKings. And if you draft the perfect lineup in the free opening weekend contest, the prize is $1 billion. You said a billion dollars? Billion. With a B. This is, this is, this is money. I, I know what that is. Play DraftKings free $100,000 contest week one. And if you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. Your connection there, Jordan. <laughs> hey, Luke, you with us? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Hey, how we doing, sir? Why don't you, uh, real quick, go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners. Uh, first time having you on. Excited. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I am Luke Worsham. I host and produce the Titan Size podcast. We do that uh, usually twice a week during the season. Uh, we just started that back up after a little bit of an off-season break, and I write for A to Z Sports Nashville. I've uh, been up at training camp just about every day over the last week, headed back tomorrow. The Titans were off today. And, guys, I was enjoying your talk about the uh, the uh, baseball deadline today, but I think the biggest news of the day is the uh, the eviscerating that the Mets took at the hands of the Nationals this this evening. Oh, <laughs> That's I you know I'm gonna be honest with you I was gonna look at all my baseball when we came uh, how bad was this was this defeat that you are uh, talking about twenty five to four was the final score oh, oh my god oh, man. oh my 
God. You like that? You like that? <laughs> oh my God! I'm sure. That's, I'm, sure I'm sure it's all because Cespedes is on the disabled list, though. That, that, that's all that can. That, that's, that, that's about right. You know, honestly, that's a good way to cap it off. You figure they start the month with Bobby Bonilla Day, paying that uh, you know what is it, 1.4 million dollars, and then they uh, they end the month with a shellacking. Sounds about as Mets as it gets. <laughs> oh my! Yep, odd. Yeah, it certainly it, does. I'd have to call uh, uh, one of our f- favorite listeners, Mike Greeno from Mount Vernon, New York, because he is a diehard Met fan. Uh, we actually mm. called him after he Mets got beat in the World Series on air, and it was a very uh, – I felt bad after we did it because he was like, yeah, yeah, I I just watched. But uh, thanks for thinking of me. Like, Damn, my bad. My bad. Oh, man. Um, Kill him. I mean, you know, uh, we've been we've been back and forth with Luke here trying to get this going. Things have happened on both of our ends. I'm glad we finally got this working. Um, with all the crazy NBA, we took a small break on our NFL team previews, but kick-starting it back up. The perfect way, in my opinion, is the Tennessee Titans. Uh, my, my great co-host here, Jordan Jisker, is a diehard Titans fan. Even though we're in Minnesota, he's a diehard Titans fan. So he's been hammering. Uh, to get this going, and and I thought this was for your sake, Jordan, a, a great treat to to bring this on to you as football starts on Thursday. I love I love football, and I love my Titans. Let's go. Mm. You know, I think the best <laughs> best way to bring this right in here, Luke, is I want I want to kind of just real quick break down the offense before I turn it over to Jordan and let him have the best time of his life here. Uh, Deion Lewis coming in, a new second back with Derrick Henry. Are you guys jacked about Derrick Henry really coming in, taking this full workload and being the guy? Well, here's the thing. I have never been the biggest Derrick Henry supporter. Now, I DeMarco Murray, you know, was always one of my favorite players in the NFL. When he played for the Cowboys, I just loved watching him. He had such a unique style of running. But, you know, I don't know. There's just something about the way that Derrick Henry runs. Very, he's very streaky. If you look at his stats from last year, there's about you know six games where he averaged five yards a carry, and then there's about nine where he averaged like two and a half, three yards a carry. And so I, I don't think that Derrick Henry is going to get as many carries as maybe, maybe people think he does. He's probably going to be the, the starter, if you will. But this is very much, I believe, going to be a, a by I hate that word, that term, but a by committee <laughs> approach, kind of, because I don't know, just the way that Derrick Henry runs. Now, granted, I think that Matt Lafleur, the new offensive coordinator, I think his system is a better fit for for Henry than a, the hard nosed running that was asked of him in the last system. I think that was more suited to Demarco Murray's style. But Deion Lewis, as you mentioned, he, he's coming in here, and you know. Derek mentioned the other day talking to uh, uh, one of the guys we have at A to Z Sports to Zach Bingham. He told him that, you know, he knows that you can't win in the NFL with just one running back today and that he and and Dion have developed a relationship and they're going to have to to work together this year. And so I I think that it's going to have to be a balance because, you know, Derek Henry, especially in the the playoff game win against the Kansas City Chiefs, he looked outstanding. And there are plenty of games where he looks outstanding like that, but you just don't see it consistently enough. And I think that having someone 
like Deion Lewis who can be that change of pace is only going to help Derrick Henry. Uh, but, yeah, the Titans are going to have to rely on both of those backs this year in their running game. You know, speaking of, of relying on both, two draft picks in 2017, Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor, two guys that I think really need to step up. I think Corey Davis has got to start really showing that first-round grade. Uh, how's this wide receiver core feeling going into 2019, 2018-2019, I guess you want to call it that? I'm sorry, did you repeat yourself? I couldn't, didn't catch the end of that. Oh, no, you're good. Are, how confident are you in this receiving core? Obviously, you know, it's a young tandem, but... Well, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, okay. So, the re- the receiving core, you know, in training camp so far, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute, the defensive backs have kind of been the stars of the show so far. And Paul Koharski, who covers the Titans, used to cover him for ESPN, now he covers it for himself. Uh, I, was, I was standing on the sideline at practice, and he walked over and he said... You know, people want to talk about how great these defensive backs have been, but they're covering, you know, these no-name guys like Nick Williams and, you know, players that you're having to look at your roster in front of them, in front of you to figure out who they are. You know, the, the Titans receivers, I was talking about this on our podcast episode that went up today. There is a lot of talent. That's not the problem. It's not a lack of talent. Corey Davis has all the makings to be a number one receiver in this league. Taewon Taylor is very explosive, a great athlete. Uh, Michael Campanaro, I think, is even fitting in well. I talked to him some yesterday. He, he seems to be developing some chemistry with Mariota. Then you also have Tajay Shark coming back. So talent isn't the problem. The problem is that there are just too many ifs. You know, if Corey Davis is able to actually be the number one wide receiver, if Rashard Matthews is able to get healthy and contribute, if Tajay Sharp is able to come back and pick up where he left off before getting injured last season, if Taewon Taylor is, you know, there's just too many ifs. That's the problem. And obviously it's too late at this point to add a receiver. They have no business adding Des Bryant or Jeremy Macklin, someone like that. Anyone who thinks that's a good idea, I no, it's not. The, and I don't know that it was necessarily a mistake to not add anybody in free agency, but this is something that the Titans are going to have to deal with. And their young team, which these days is a very good thing, because when you're a young team, you're a cheap team. They've got a lot of talent that they're not having to pay a lot of money to, and it's just going to come up to can those guys step up and own their roles. And I think, yeah, there are a lot of ifs, but you've got a, a pretty good quarterback in Mariota. You've got a tremendous offensive line. We talked about you know, the talent that Henry and Lewis have, and, of course, you've got a three-time Pro Bowler at tight end in Delaney Walker. So you really only need a couple of those ifs to actually happen for the receiving core to be successful. And it's going to be interesting to see, especially as it kind of keeps revealing itself over the next couple of weeks of, of camp and the preseason, which of those ifs actually happen. Is is Marcus Mariota good enough, or ready to be good enough to clear those ifs out of your mind? Can he step in and be that guy that everybody's expecting that, that he should be? I think with Mariota, it all comes down to one question. Is he comfortable? In 2016, his second year, he won AFC Offensive Player of the Month in November. He was kind of, I like to call him that year, he was like the silent assassin. If you go back and watch some of his films, just some of the throws he made and some of the things he did moving defenders with his eyes, it was incredible. It was the stuff of a 10-year vet. And then you go back and you watch his tape from last year and, and you really kind of study what he did up close, it was, it was a complete disaster. And a lot of people want to blame the system, and I agree it was a terrible system that they were running. But some of that blame definitely falls on Mariota's shoulder. There were a lot of errant passes off his back foot. 
a lot of really, you know, inaccurate throws. One that comes to mind was uh, on the Thursday night game against Pittsburgh, he had Rashard Matthews on a curl route and, and just completely overshot him and it ended up getting picked by whoever the safety was back there. But, and, and you know, maybe the system did have to do with that. But a lot of times last year, I, I just didn't, he did not look comfortable to me. He did in 2016, again, the silent assassin. But in 2017, and, and this doesn't have anything to do with his injury, it just so happens that that was the thing, you know, separating the two seasons. He just looked uncomfortable. The, his body language, he looked unsure of himself. And he, by the end of the season, he had thrown more interceptions and touchdowns. And so I think you have Matt LaFleur coming in to install a new offensive system. You know, you've got – pretty much the same receivers. You've got an improved backfield, and you've still got Delaney Walker. So the Titans are really counting on this new system to make him comfortable. He has had a great start to camp. He's missed some throws. He's looked a little off. But I don't think that's anything to worry about. But that is what it's going to come down to is, is he comfortable? If he's comfortable, I have no problem saying he's a top 10 NFL quarterback. If he's not comfortable, frankly, he's a disaster. You mentioned the new system coming into place, and, and this guy obviously has come up before, and he's, you know, arguably, you could argue the MVP of this offense a lot of the time. What what does this do for Delaney Walker with this new system? Um, you know, I'm not as familiar with the X's and O's of this new LeFleur system as some people are, but what I'm consistently hearing is that uh, it will only help Delaney Walker being in this new system. I think you could see him a lot of times actually lined up as a wide receiver in the slot. You know, and this is a guy, he got his contract extension uh, earlier, or late last week is when he got that. But this is a guy that's just been the, the, the staple of consistency. We talk about it all the time with players. This guy needs to be more consistent. This guy needs to be more consistent. That has never been a problem with Delaney Walker. He is one of the most consistent at playmakers on this team, it's been a, a privilege to, to watch him play in person and, and watch him up close over these last few years just because of how he goes about his work, his attitude, his leadership. But he's just a beast on the field. He's so much fun to watch. And in this offense, which is obviously going to be much more loose and open than the offense that Terry Robisky and Mike Malarkey brought in, I think he's going to have even more opportunity to catch the ball. When you think about it last year, you know, Matt LaFleur was the Rams' offensive coordinator. Who was their tight end last year? You know, we all know they had Cooper Cup and Tammy Watkins, Todd Gurley in the backfield, and, and Jared Goff had a great year. But I, had, I don't know who their tight end was. Do either you know? Uh, no, uh, not, not uh, off the top and, of head. That's, and that's the thing, you know, that offense was so good really kind of going off just some speed on the outside. And, of course, Todd Gurley, who was a, a runner-up for NFL MVP, but they did it without a, a tight end present. They go and, and Matt LaFleur is going from having a no-name tight end to having a Pro Bowl tight end. And so I think that, that could further open things up for the receivers on the outside. But I think Delaney Walker, if it's possible, could have a, a career year this year at the ripe age of uh, 34. If, if it was who it was last year, it might have been Tyler Higby. That's who's listed on their depth chart right now. So. That's Tyler Higby sounds like he uh, yeah, he bagged groceries. I don't know about you guys, but if if I'm a if I'm a coach, I'd rather have Delaney Walker than him. <laughs> Big time. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, the ageless wonder. He's he's only seems to get better over the last, uh, particularly four years uh, under the the, the crazy mm-hmm. system that the Titans had going. Uh, 
Absolutely. He, he, he talked about that some last week, you know, he, he takes a lot of care of his body and he does just seem to get better with age. And it's rare that you see that, but that's certainly the case with him. You know, uh, speaking of systems, obviously here, we're going to kind of switch sides, but uh, uh, you know, you can't talk about the defense without talking about the new hire, uh, obviously a defensive Mike, uh, minded coach in, in Vrabel uh, replacing Mike Malarkey. Uh, what were the initial thoughts going into that? You mean the initial thoughts on uh, on Vrabel as a head coach? Um, both uh, firing Mike Malarkey uh, after what we really kind of consider a successful year, getting a, a playoff win, um, and and then obviously yeah. uh, the, the switch to Vrabel. Well, you know, I think the, the team could have gone either way with this, but you know, for the fans, the fans had a very visceral reaction to Mike Malarkey's. Like he had a press conference. I think they they played the Patriots on a Saturday and lost. And then I think he had a press conference that Monday, so two days later. And he said some very tone deaf things. He said, you know, I fully support Terry Robisky when it when it was very clear that his offense was not working and it was really running you know, Mariota and the entire offense in the ground. And he just said some very tone deaf things. And I remember being on, on Twitter that day and the reaction from a lot of the Titans fans that I follow uh, on Twitter and I was, you know, looking at the mentions, it was very visceral, the reaction, a lot of anger, which is so strange because the Titans had had their best season in 10 years and everyone wanted the coach fired. And they got their wish. I'm not saying that the team gave in to fan pressure, but they got their wish. Uh, Malarkey was uh, – they, they moved on from Malarkey. And I, I think that Vrabel, you know, some people think that he's, like, clueless. Some people in the national media have said that. I don't think that's the case at all. That's not the vibe I get from him. I think he really understands what he's doing. He's coming from this as a player who played for Bill Belichick. And he is most certainly not trying to copy Bill Belichick. Because, I mean, watch one of his press conferences. The way that he interacts with us, I mean, he, he's very personable. He looks you right in the eye and answers your question directly. And aside from injuries, he's very open about giving you real answers to things. So he's not just trying to copy Bill Belichick. He's not just – he's not underqualified. He's a player's coach. He treats his players the right way, and, and he demands energy. He demands um, at, the right attitude from his players. And, you know, I think he has a great chance of being successful for those reasons. And, again, he's not just copying Belichick because, again, watch one of his press conferences and then watch one of Bill Belichick's press conferences. It's nothing close to being the same. Uh, you know, the defense I thought was pretty stout overall last year, considering some of the teams they played against, uh, you know, uh, Oakland early on, uh, the Rams, obviously, you know, they did get the, uh, the drumming uh, by Pittsburgh there, but like uh, all in all, I, I thought it was overall successful. What do you think, uh, what do you think Vrabel's going to bring both uh, to the, to the linebacker core being a linebacker guy um, as far as that experience and knowledge goes and, and how is that going to affect maybe some of these uh, shortcomings in, in regards to the, uh, the holes that we had in the past? Yeah. And you know, one thing about Vrabel is, and I'm not saying that every coach needs to do this. Everyone has their own style, but, but the one thing about him is, you know, Mike Malarkey was an older guy, and he was a player, but, you know, it's been longer since he played than it has been Vrabel played. Every day on the practice field, Vrabel's participating in a new way. The other day I, I saw him 
you know, the, the running backs were running pass protection drills, and he was the guy they were having to protect. He, he put on some kind of chest protection and was running at his running backs. And, and I think that is what Vrabel is going to bring, not just to the linebackers, but to really every position on the football field, is they're getting a coach who's very involved and very concerned deeply about his players and, and wanting each individual player to have success. And you bring up this linebacking core that the Titans have. It really is an outstanding group. At the top, you obviously have Wesley Woodyard, who, who Vrabel kind of raved about the other day. Uh, you have Rashawn Evans, the first-round draft pick, the super athletic kid from Alabama, who's a, a thumper in the middle and is going to really help solidify what Avery Williams was not able to do in this defense. And then behind them, you've got great rotational guys in Jayon Brown and Will Compton, who are kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum. Will Compton is very limited with his athleticism, but he's great against the run, a great leader. And on the other side, Jayon Brown, a bit undersized, not that great against the run, but he's very athletic and has the ability to be very productive in pass coverage. So I think this is a very talented group of linebackers. But as you mentioned, Mike Vrabel is going to have a very positive impact because that's his coaching style. He is very much a player's coach. Uh, obviously, team very strong against the uh, the run last year. I think they only gave up 88 yards yeah. per game. But obviously, our uh, our uh, our division not exactly one known for running the ball. What do you think? Uh, what do you think is going to be able to maybe balance this out a little bit? Obviously, it's a it's an air and out kind of league right now. Uh, can these quarterbacks and uh, and safeties hang with some of these uh, these deep threats and big arms that the NFL has produced today? Yeah, I was talking on our, our podcast episode that went up this morning about. You know, we, we were talking about just how talented this group of cornerbacks is. And, you know, when the Titans are in nickel this year, when they have five defensive backs on the field, I would put them up against just about any team in the league's nickel. Now, granted, the Titans don't have a Marcus Peters, a Patrick Peterson, a, a Darius Slade. They don't have that, you know, bona fide lockdown number one cornerback. And that's okay. You don't have to. The what I'm saying is while a Malcolm Butler and a Dory Jackson isn't quite to that level, the teams that have those guys that have a Darius Slade, that have a, a Patrick Peterson, they don't have two of them. And what the Titans have is three cornerbacks in Ryan and, and Jackson and Butler who can, if you're Dean Peace, the defensive coordinator, you literally say, all right, uh, just go play man coverage. You're going to play on the left. You're going to play on the right. And Logan Ryan, you're going to play in the slot. Let's just see how this goes. That's the talent that they have. And, you know, when you think about two years ago when they were throwing uh, Valentino, Blake, and Parrish Cox on the field, you can't do that. They were having to play 10 yards of cushion because their, their corners were so bad. But now you have three guys that you can play incredibly aggressively, and you can kind of leave them on an island and, and be comfortable with it. And if you're not comfortable with it, guess what? You've got an all-pro safety behind him and Kevin Byard who's going to pick up the lost space and help you out. Oh, and if that's not enough, You've got one of the best run stoppers at safety in the NFL who's finally healthy and Jonathan Cyprian, who's going to get a full camp and a full start to the season under him and probably rebound from a poor year last year. This is an incredibly talented group of defensive backs. You know, will they go down in history like the Legion of Boom did and, and like the Broncos secondary when they won the Super Bowl? Probably not. But this is a very talented group. And right now I have no trouble saying that overall it is the best secondary as a whole even better than the Rams in the NFL wow that's a uh you know I almost myself being being the fan I, that's uh that's a pretty bold statement I I would 
hope that it obviously continues. But uh, obviously this season is not going to be an easy one. You, you start making those playoffs, schedule gets a little tougher. Um, what do you think is going to be maybe uh, some of the, the big question marks on this roster? Where, where would you gauge the, the holes that we need to, we need to try and uh, mask when it comes to some of these big games coming up? Oh, the, the obvious one that we kind of talked about earlier is the receiver position. Um, just because uh, we, we talked about all the what ifs, there's a lot of young guys. Um, you know, last year we kind of talked, everyone talked heading into the offseason, maybe, excuse me, they were going to try to upgrade it at guard. They didn't do that, and I, I could see that as being a weak point. But for whatever reason, this is just a roster where it's hard to find a weak point. Um, Maybe nose tackle. I don't know how much Benny Logan is going to be able to give this team at, at nose tackle, um, but that's become a position more and more where you're just being asked to be a space plugger. So I think he'll be fine at doing that. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely say receiver is is the weak position that when it comes to as you mentioned, you know, these bigger games, they're going to play the Philadelphia Eagles pretty early in the season. You've got New England playing and in Nashville. When those games come up that's going to be the position that, that everyone kind of has an eagle eye on. Are they going to be able to, to step up? Because we know the defensive backs are. They did it last year, and, and they got even better bringing in Malcolm Butler. We know the offensive line is good. It really is going to come down to uh, those receivers and also the quarterback, Mariota. Is he going to be able to deliver against the better opponents? Uh, obviously, you mentioned the offensive line. Lewin locked it up, showed up to camp. Life's good. Um, but uh, those receivers, uh, rumor has it we might see uh, you know a, a Minnesota alumni uh, back in a Titan uniform. Uh, is there any uh, any heat to uh, Decker possibly making a return? I, I personally, I, I haven't heard anything about that. I personally see absolutely no way that happens because John Robinson by not adding any receivers during the offseason aside from Michael Campanaro, he made it very clear that it's just the young guy's show now. It is it is no longer the the charade where where they had Harry Douglas and Eric Decker and, and yeah, they had Andre Johnson two years ago. Andre Johnson Hall of Fame player, but he wasn't when he was with the Titans, obviously. That's yeah. done. I, I think it's these young, these young guys show, and I think that's the way they want it to be. And honestly, I think that was the right choice because when you draft players like a Taewon Taylor, like a Taji Sharp, that you think are capable of being starters, you better let those guys be starters while they're still making a million dollars a year and not much more than that because that's the point of the draft is you get cheap talent. And so I think they absolutely made the right choice in, in letting Taylor and Sharp um, kind of take over this offense. Because at the end of the day, you also have Corey Davis, who, you know, he's a young guy too, but he's probably, you know, a, a couple steps above Taylor and Sharp in terms of his overall talent level. And you've always got Rashard Matthews to fall back on too when able, whenever he's able to get healthy and get back on the field. Delaney Walker as well. There you go. You mentioned some of those tough schedules here. Uh, we're going to kind of wrap this up. What do you think uh, we got we to know? We always ask the prediction. What's the prediction this year for our Tennessee Titans? You mean in terms of record? Record and uh, you know maybe uh, you know maybe uh, a playoff spot. What, what, what do you got? Um, Talent-wise, I think this is a roster that is clearly one of the better in the NFL. Um, new head coach, new offense, new defensive system. You know that always is a massive variable. But when you look back at 
The Broncos, when they got rid of John Fox, they brought in Gary Kubiak and won the Super Bowl in the first year. And I think there was another team that's done that in the last 15 years or so. They're, they're slipping my mind right now. Um, maybe you can help me out with that if, if you think of it. But, you know, we've seen case studies where it, it didn't work, and we've seen case studies where it did work. And so, you know, I think – I don't know. I think the Jaguars are in for a year of regression. Obviously, the Colts are going to be better if Andrew Luck's out there. I think the Titans are going to be able to to get over the Texans and win the division. Probably. It could all fall apart. You never know. But if things go as they should, I think this team can easily win the division. It's going to be a matter of can they beat a New England, can they beat a Pittsburgh on the road in the playoffs. And I don't know that they're necessarily ready to do that this year just because of how young they are and it's their first year with a new head coach. What's the record? Um, you know, my gut says nine and seven. I mean, that's what they've gone the last two seasons. Um, but I, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say nine and seven. I think that a could be enough to win this division just because I think Houston might be a tad bit overrated. Um, and uh, I don't know, new head coach, I think there are a lot of variables. So I'm going to say 9-7. and seven. I think that's a safe bet. It's a, it's I a think nice, it's about right. Yeah, nice, nice respectable way. Uh, real quick before we let you go, we, we tend to do this with, with everyone who comes on. Uh, if you have a couple moments – Love to play around at Uberfax with you. I'm not sure if you know what Uberfax are, but it's a quick game we play. You up for it, Luke? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, let's let's do Uber it. Uberfax, the most unimportant things you'll never need to know. So we we got we got Luke in here. We got uh we got Jordan Demtris is producing. Demtris, you you you're gonna play. I'm gonna turn the mic. You're gonna play. All right. So the way Uber, I, have you ever have you ever looked at Uberfax online, Luke? Uh, is it that, that account on fact. Twitter with like the green U with the dot yeah. over it? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we all know they post crazy facts. I have four facts. The goal is to tell me which fact that I have changed or made up. So one of these facts is incorrect. Oh, the other okay. Being tomorrow's uh, the beginning of August, I went on and I found four days that are considered, I don't know if you want to call them holidays or national, basically national days. And they all are with August. So here's okay. the four days. It's, you guys identify which is the incorrect day. Uh, August okay. 1st is National Respect Your Parents Day. Okay, that's the first one. Number two, August 3rd, is National Grab Your Nuts Day. Everyone <laughs> likes everyone peanuts. I don't see what's so wrong with that. Uh, number three. <laughs> August 24th is National Pancake Day. And August 31st is National Matchmaker Day. Hook up your single friends, y'all. Luke, let me ask you first. Which of the four is not real that I made up? Oh, man. I'm going to go with the the, the first one you said. National Respect Your Parents Day, August 1st. All right. Jordan, what do you got? Uh, I think uh, I think respect your parents' day is real. I think uh, the nut grabbing is real, and I think uh, the matchmaker day 
God, this, it's either that one or Pancake Day. I think Pancake, Pancake Day is somewhere in like the fall. I'm going to say Pancake Day has been changed. Demetrius? I'm going with the pancakes because that's my birthday. Yeah, see, now, now, that, yeah, I, thought, I, wanted, I figured you'd catch that, that August 24th is your birthday. So I'm, did I throw that in there for that reason? I'm going go to go with the last one. The National Matchmaker Day? Yeah, I'm going to go with Matchmaker. All right, so obviously you guys know that I can't make this stuff up. August 3rd is National Grab Your Nuts Day. <laughs> it's National Peanuts Day. So that is a real <laughs> That's awesome. Um, August 31st, National Matchmaker Day. That is correct. That is correct. Yes. Leaves us down to two. August 1st, Respect Your Parents Day is a real holiday or a real hmm. one. Wow. Correct is August 24th is not National Pancake Day. It's National Waffle Day. I'm getting some waffles. <laughs> and it's to be just really <laughs> Once again. Back to back, baby. I'm on a streak, yeah. man. Pay that man his money. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Best pay the man his money. Uh, uh, for those of you playing at home and that you lost, stay in your lane. <laughs> Luke, thank you so much for coming on. It was tremendous information. God, you had a lot. It was it was going. This is one of the better ones we've had. Can't wait to talk to you again. We got it again. Before we let you go, everything you got, website, Twitter, um, you know, when your tabs are due. I mean, anything you want, go ahead. The floor is <laughs> uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Luke underscore Worsham. Uh, from my account, you'll be able to find Titan Size and A to Z Sports Nashville. Our website is a to C sports Nashville.com. And uh, for the Titan Size podcast, you can find that on iTunes and Spreaker. And uh, I think maybe Google Play, perhaps. I got an email about that. I'm not really sure. But, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter and uh, go to our website and listen to our podcast. Hey, uh, Luke, don't forget to get me uh, some pharmacy burger uh, next time we're down there. That's, uh, that's a good place, man. I like that. You know what? I, I have been a Middle Tennessee slash Nashville native my entire life. I have never been to pharmacy burger. What? Oh. I, I know. It's, it's egregious. I feel like I've that, been that... invited and just it didn't work out. But, uh, oh! yeah, I've never oh! been. I, yeah, that's how I feel. Well, I guess we'll have to get some Hattie's hot chicken then, I guess. We can do that, right? I've never been to Hattie's either. Oh, my, my, my Nashville. He's my not from Nashville. No! No! <laughs> you know, I'm in, I'm in Nashville pretty much every day over the next couple of weeks for Titans camp. And, and just for you, I will I will make sure to get to Pharmacy Burger one of these days and, and let you know how it was. All right, all right. That's that's all I need to know because I I, I went when I was down there a couple of years back and I absolutely loved it. And uh, I plan on going back down to Nashville uh, sometime soon and 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 hitting up it again because it, it was that good. Really Man, bad. I I really want some chicken. Can I? Fi- I got a Nashville Predators PK Subban jersey I can wear. Does that count? Yeah, you can go. Yeah. You can go. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's even that mustard yellow that nobody buys. I'm rocking that thing Ooh. hard. Subban's the deal. <laughs> Oh. Thanks a ton, man. So thanks a ton. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for coming out with me, guys. Yeah, we'll definitely I, have, I, to, have to talk to you again. <laughs> All right, so we'll chat soon. Love it. Love that it. was great. Man, hey, great. I'm, I'm for real. The burger, solid. And they do, uh, uh, for my first time in my life, I ever had like warm potato salad, and it was super good. Like, it was like, it was ridiculous. There was a, uh, like a little, like, barbecue type, like, 
shack with like crazy like portioning and and it was it was it was dope it was like you see in the you know some of the movies um and we went there when we were in omaha i can't remember what it was called i'll, I'll try to find out during the break this place was so good and there was so much food the chicken was so big <laughs> and it, they give you like the the styrofoam big styrofoam cups but they don't have the lids for them and you just put the ice in there and then put you put your like Fanta in it get your orange drink in there and, and you just sit it on your tray oh it was so good oh. Man, the, oh places like that especially like the shack place here's my, my favorite type of places are the places where you can't actually sit down and eat like you have to take it to go yeah like that means all, all they have to do is focus on the food they don't care about who's sitting in the restaurant all they do is is smoke some brisket all right <laughs> i'm gonna try to figure out what this was uh, I'm texting. I'm texting somebody that I went to Omaha with when we went to Kill Switch. Uh, Omaha. We're gonna, we, <laughs> you know, I actually finally removed the Omaha. We uh, <laughs> we hadn't used it since like March 19th, so I thought it was, I thought it was time to go. This this soundboard used to be so long, and I've cleaned it up over the last few days, and I've cut it down to like half the pages. So, you think Peyton Manning still like takes like a nap and like he snores a little bit, kind of like you going full of belly? He's just like, oh my, oh my. He does. And he's like, oh man. <laughs> then he's like, oh, I'm just trying to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. We got some MLB talk, sportscast, radio. Most people would consider this illegal. 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 What was mere vision? suddenly became a reality. When you put a bunch of entities together and you bundle into one giant conglomerate, baby, you get strong style media. My name is Ryan Cook. I'm the chairman of our company, and I'm here to tell you that each and every week, Sunday through Thursday night, we give you the best in radio. For boxing needs, standing eight count radio. For pro wrestling, we got WrestleCast. We got your sports knowledge covered with sportscast. You like movies? The pop cultures are where it's at. And for all your local hip-hop, so the sound radio. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, rate, share, follow everything you got. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio Tune, and that more. We are Strong Style. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. Just respect my conglomerate. Hey, Alex Mello here, one half of the pop culturist, inviting you to get your pop culture fix every Wednesday night here on the Strong Style Media Network. Alongside Half Pine Kyle Adams, we'll see who got beat down at the box office, run down the Manic Movie Minute, find out what Kyle has for his musical mantra, and you hear our takes on the latest in film, the television, and the music. Listen to The Pop Culturist every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash strong style media or search strong style media on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and Player FM. Strong Style Media, we are conglomerates. Greetings and salutations, fight fans. It's your boy, Dub. 
want to have sustaining eight-count radio. If you want fight analysis, news, or look into the local Minneapolis, Minnesota boxing scene, then tune in Sundays, 10 p.m. Central Time, and listen to Ryan Cook and I break down the sweet science. If you don't know where to find us, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Blog Talk Radio. That's Ascending Account Radio, and that's presented by Strong Style Media. We are conglomerate. Uh, the difference between me and you is I'm a better GM than you are, Minnesota Twins GM. Hmm. Is it bad? I don't even remember who the GM of the Twins is. Um, the difference between me and you is the fact that uh, I would have got rid of Dozier last year without getting greedy and came out with some great, uh, great prospects. <laughs> yeah, I would have. I would have done the. Uh, I would have done the deal last year. Obviously, we uh, we see. We see oh, um, so Brian Dozier gets traded to the Dodgers. Whoa, that was tight. <laughs> What's the difference between me and you, Jordan? Mine are quieter on air because I've done like nine of them. I'm uh, I'm just I just that's my thoughts on that trade. My thought is wait 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 wait, wait 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 wait. Where here you go? Where my thought is. <laughs> yeah. Shout, shout um, out to the bishop. I was trying to get. So here we go. So um, they had Brian Dozier. I'm trying to find the prospects they gave up. Scott Alexander, who's had 30, 37 appearances, uh, appearances, will probably get the most looks in a setup role. Um. See, that's not who. I wow! I can't even find out who was in this trade. They really, they really fleeced them. So here's here's the kicker. I'm going to stop looking at this stuff, and I'm just going to go right into it before we talk winners and losers of the deadline. So two years ago, when the Dodgers, you know, going into last year when they made the World Series run, we're in, we're in a need of a second baseman because we didn't know Chris Taylor was going to turn into what he did. We didn't know that Chase Utley was still going to be able to play at like 90 years old. And, you know, thankfully those things happened. They went out and they got Logan Forsythe. Now, before they got Logan Forsythe, they called the Twins who were shopping Dozier and said, look, you guys need young pitching. We know that. We need a second baseman. Let's help each other out. Um, we'll give you Jose De Leon for Brian Dozier. Perfect, perfect guy to pair with Barrios. Give a good one-two punch. They say no. You have to throw in Cody Bellinger. They said, no, we're not. He's, he's one of our top prospects. We're not trading him. Uh, they said, well, we're not going to budge. They said, all right. And they hung up on the Twins. They called Tampa, who Farhan Zaidi has, has a connection with. And they trade DeLeon for Logan Forsythe. Logan Forsythe becomes overpaid, doesn't do what he should have been doing. It is what it is. It was a failed experiment. I think they lost the trade because Jose DeLeon – uh, you know, goes and makes his start, his first start for the Rays, and shuts out the Twins. Ironically, so that was just kind of a weird thing that happened. But then let's circle back to this afternoon. The Dodgers send two prospects that I can't find their names, and I've never heard of when I did see their names. And let me just say this to you: Logan 
Forsyth to the Twins for Brian Dozier. How uh, Forsyth? They also got uh, Smeltzer and uh, and Rayleigh uh, as far as from the uh, cool. from the prospect side. Great. So, how Logan Forsyth was a failed trade, yet the Twins took him for Dozier. How this is one of those things where like. I know I have no experience in doing any of this type of stuff, but I wouldn't have made that trade. And I think people would have said I did the right move. How in the hell can the twins make moves like this and then still get away with it? Like get away with not having any backlash. I've I've not seen any backlash other than what Elijah said in our group chat. Yeah. You know, it's uh I'm curious to see, um, you know, I'm actually kind of looking up uh, Luke Rayleigh's numbers right now, as far as, uh, as far as the minors go, he's in the minors. He's, he's hitting 286 uh, throughout all the minors there. And that's, that's with a lot of at bats, it's 1100 at bats. So he's uh, at least, uh, you know, serviceable. That's uh, I think that's 10 points higher than Dozier. Yeah, Grant Dozier's doing it at the major league level, <laughs> but uh, but you know I, I I don't know man I, yeah I I don't know what the Twins are thinking. Um, obviously they they sold off everything between the Lance Lynn bit and uh, you know I just I don't know. It's frustrating. I, I, yeah, well, yeah. I you know here here's the thing though is now. I'm hoping we eat crap for uh, in Minnesota for the next uh, you know thirty something games, um, and and this way they don't overperform and, and the poll ads come out you know just lining their pockets with money for uh, with players that uh, should have no right technically winning baseball games at this point. Logan Forsythe is batting two oh seven with two homers and thirteen RBIs this year. How many games? Uh, I don't have the games in front of me. I can baseball reference him though and find out. Um, let's see, Logan Forsyth, professional baseman, second baseman, my ass. Um, let me go on. Seventy games. So he's, he's played. Yeah, he, he's played. Uh, huh. He has one hundred ninety-three at bats and has forty hits, eighteen runs, thirteen RBI. He's been two hundred seven on almost two hundred at bats. Good job, Twins. You took the crap the Dodgers didn't want and made them better. Like, I don't. There's there's a there's a, there's a uh, one of the clips that say videos from the web. The tra- the Twins trade Logan Forsythe for Brian Dozier! Exclamation point. Yeah. Uh, somehow uh, somehow looking at uh, sporting news, they're actually giving the Twins a B right now as far as uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> this 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 off season apparently hmm. you know and I, I mean here's the thing is you're getting you know what did we get i think we got two or three prospects back for logan lynn we got two from the dodgers you know the dodgers everybody they bring up from the from the minors turns into a stud look at max muncie this year yeah. um so at least the positive route is at least the twins got two dodgers prospects and at least the Dodgers got two or three Yankees prospects, teams that understand how to draft and develop talent. So positive note is we added four or five players that could be something. I'll take that. But 
I, I just don't understand. Like, what are we, what are we, what are we doing? We're gonna let's let's move Dozier for Forsythe. If 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 you look at this in the long run, the Dodgers get Brian Dozier, the Tampa Bay Rays get Jose De Leon, and the Minnesota Twins get Logan Forsythe. Who got fleeced in this three-way deal? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting, though. Uh, looking at uh, – uh, so we traded uh, – gosh, I'm trying to find some uh, some good – Isn't it just terrible? Uh-oh. Oh, George, can you hear us? Uh-oh. Something's not working. I can't hear Jordan very well. Jordan, you're breaking up really bad. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Jordan has just Jordan just got so mad about this trade. Um the twins have the God oh I'm so mad. The twins have oh Thad Levine's a GM, that's the guy's name. I couldn't remember his name. Complete died. Dang, Jordan just got rocked. Piss. I just, like, guys, I don't understand how a team like the Twins make trades like this. Like, who's holding them accountable for this? This is why it's so freaking hard to be a Twins fan. This is the reason why, when it's all said and done, I back the Dodgers tenfold. I've painted my my walls blue with white carpets and white couches and white tables. You know, I'm not rocking the navy and red because it's just so damn hard to do it. Well, it also helps them that they got a genius in the office, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ever since he took over, you know, he brought in, you know, Andrew Friedman and Farhan Zaidi and, you know, Ned Coletti was there for a while and did a pretty good job, too. I mean, they have a great great staff. Dave Roberts is doing a great job coaching, completely building this team up. And then the Twins are just hey man, we'll take Logan Forsythe and I'll eat crow hard. I was one of the first guys going, "Hell yeah, we got Logan Forsythe for Jose De Leon." I was all about that deal. You know, and then last year he batted I think like 220 with six home runs. He didn't even do anything last year. But I was all in on him. I mean, I thought it was going to be great. And You know, it's, it's kind of funny for me, though, is I really want to get into baseball, but I can't because I can't even watch my own home team. It's true. So what's the point of me even watching baseball? It's, I'll watch the Dodgers with you when it's playoff time, but regular season, I can't get into it because our team is trash. Oh. Our organization is trash. It's like being a Sacramento Kings fan. I <laughs> come in on that. <laughs> it's like being a Sacramento Kings Wow. Uh, Here's the kicker. I, I forgot his name, and I'm not going to lie about it. I had to Google it. Our GM's name is Thad Levine. That says it all right there. We got a guy named Thad running this team. Get out of here, bro. Oh, uh, Thad probably still calls people bro. <laughs> Thad's in the locker room right now uh, smashing a uh... – you know, smashing a PBR and like six uh, wings. It's like, bruh. <laughs> he's 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 doing that Smirnoff ice thing where he's icing people, and they're like, "Can we just move on?" 
he's uh, he's he he pulls up to the clubhouse bar and orders a Zima. Dang, he's that dude. <laughs> Man, screw you, sad. I don't even care if they hear this. I hope the twins hear this. You know, if if you're if you're in that twins organization, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be ashamed of yourself that as a major league general manager of a professional sports team, you got fleeced. Now, I hope, I hope three years from now I'm eating crow and these dudes turn out to be something good. I hope, I hope we can, you know, replicate what the Astros did and what the Braves are doing and what the Phillies are doing and what the Cubs did. I hope that that's what's going to happen. But I tell you, I tell you what, I understand we're only, you know, seven, eight games out of first place, which isn't crazy. And we're in second place in the division. And we just sell everything off and go, "Ah, I'll just go home for the year. That sucks. That pisses me off. That's why it's so hard to be a Twins fan, man. Yeah, no, you are not lying at all. I was, oh. I was trying to find a uh, history of, like, uh, the Twins trades as far as, like, when they received players back. And uh, I don't know if, when my mic cut off, but, um, you know, we received uh, Drew Butera in a trade. We got some service out of him, and then obviously Dodgers took him on at one point. Um, mm-hmm. There was also, actually, we received uh, Eduardo Escobar in a trade from the White Sox for Francisco Liriano uh, at the time as well. So, I mean, I don't know. I think up and down history, they probably have gotten, I'm gonna, I don't traded want to traded Escobar yesterday. Yeah, I mean, exactly, you know what I mean? But I'm saying, like, obviously, we've, they've, they've gotten some talent from these trades uh, when they're getting off uh, on what we're going to call them, their, their talents and unloading. But, uh, you know, I'm curious to see how these are going to roll out. I mean, obviously... Uh, you know, we have a history of a long, decent farm system. Uh, you know, you can't tell right now by the way that uh, both Buxton and Sanoa have been playing over this last uh, year. But um, eh, I'm not I'm not ready to completely give in, but I'm definitely certainly uh, hit that level of disappointment with the Twins again. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I, ha- I, I have like half a foot out the door going, all right, um, it's getting a little awkward in here. You know, and that's one guy, if we were going to trade anyone and try to stock up, Move on Miguel Sano while he's got any trade value because I don't think he's going to have any trade value after after the next year or so, and we're going to just – I think it's going to be a failed experiment. I'm still holding well, has, out hope for Boston, but – He hasn't performed this year, though. I mean, that, that's the thing. is you're, You wouldn't get anything for him this year. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I, was, I thought that the summer meetings, they should have just gauged interest before the year. Well, they, remember, but they like, still had – you know, he was still coming off the uh, – the the potential charges there as far as uh, his yeah. incident goes. So I mean, they're, they're, he was toxic at the very least. Yeah, um, that's right. not even factoring. So I mean, there's nothing they could do at the at the meetings. But uh, yeah, I, again, I, I still agree. It's it's one of those things where they'll definitely have to evaluate it because uh, they're they're not in a situation where they can be uh, competitive at this time. And you, and you look at a lot of things too, which really bothers me with it is, you know, everyone's like, but but we you know we've done we've done good things, but we have a very bad eye for talent a lot of the times. You know, look at look at Kyle Loesch. He does nothing for us. We don't we, we have a terrible pitching coach who can't develop him. And instead of getting rid of the pitching coach who can't who isn't helping these guys, they get rid of all the pitchers. He goes to the you know, look look what he does in St. Louis. You know, they they go and win a World Series. You know, look at yeah. was Eric Milton, I think it was, went to the Phillies and went nuts. I mean Look at some of these guys when they leave our team. How good they they did pitching, and we just refused to get rid of uh, who the hell was Rick the pitching Anderson. coach? 
Yeah, Rick Anderson. I was going to say Rick Aguilera, and I knew that was wrong. You know what they Rick, won't get Rick rid of? Rick Aguilera could go out and give us 12 saves right now. I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so awesome. You know, but, like, you know, even even to an extent, I know it's a reach, but, you know, we never put a guy like Michael Kadire in a situation to ever bat well. He was always placed terribly in that lineup. The year he leaves, he wins the batting title. We we gave no chance to David Ortiz. Like, there's just, for all the good that we do do, there's a lot of things that we don't do. And it and developing yeah. talent, it's like, mm, guy had a bad game. He's a failed prospect. No, it doesn't work that way. And they bring you know, these I, guys. Look what happened to, like, like Trevor May and, and Alex Mayer. They bring these guys up immediately without even enough seasoning. They And then they bomb, and then they just kick them to the side and go, oh, that didn't work. Are we bringing uh, May back up, actually, after bringing the May back? Uh, bring in, bring, uh, in, bring, in, bring get the Maybach Maybach music. We're um, <laughs> gonna do out there. I mean, <laughs> what are we gonna what are we gonna have? I mean, what was uh, Logan Morrison gonna go pitch? Max Kepler gonna go pitch? I told you, man. Rizzo got some innings in him the other night, man. He dudes dudes a beast. All right, Cubs got <laughs> Cubs. Cubs were onto something. Bringing in more position players to pitch. That's how you enhance the depth chart of your pitching roster. Speak <laughs> of, um, oh, what, what was his name? Uh, who did it? Uh, uh, pitch. Um, Kike Hernandez in that crazy, crazy game that, that I talked about last week. Remember I was talking about how um, they, you know, they blew it. Did, I, did we talk about that last week where, where uh, the Dodgers – 16 and decide to put in Kike Hernandez, the pitch who lets up a home run the next at bat when they had the top of the lineup coming in, in the 17th and gave that yeah. game away. You can't give that game away. I mean, Dave Roberts deserves to still get crap for that because then they go the next day and they don't win anyway. Get Rich Hill in the bullpen. You could have used them. You know who the guy was that actually hit that walk off against Kike in the bottom of the 16th? Hmm. For poof. <laughs> Trevor Ploof has the most meaningless padded stats ever. Like Trevor Ploof will do nothing all game, but then we're losing twelve to one, and he'll hit a solo shot in the eighth. And he's like, "Yeah!" It's like, bro, you did nothing to help us. Now I'm saying, bro, I'm sorry. Thanks, Dad. I'm being a real fad. But like Trevor Ploof, you know, pad stats are us. He's the guy who gets it. Obviously, the solo in the 16th, and he's like, you know, you can, I bet she's jumping around at the plate, like, yeah, this is why they have me here. It's like, come on, he was, he was, man. Uh, he was fist pumping like uh, uh, Gibson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Broken leg or whatever, still hits a home run. <laughs> Ran the bases slower than Bartolo Colon did. No, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Well, go archive the episode because that was one of the things. Did, was Bartolo faster than this? And one of them was rounding the bases with Kirk Gibson. Dang. Remember that's, the that's, answer to it, though. Oh, man. That's crazy. I, uh, man, I'm, Bart, I, I also say the Twins should have kept Bartolo Cologne, and he's still 
better than 98% of our pitching roster right now. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's bad. And the more and more you get into it, it's just, it's so rough. What, what the, I mean, this team doesn't, it's almost like they don't, it, it's like they don't care. And then like, it's not that. it seems like once we get players, like we get excited about them and then they do trash. Like, uh, you know, we pick up, uh, uh, what's his name from uh, Cleveland? You know, or like, uh, oh God, what's his name? Tommy? No, not Tommy. Tommy, Tommy was dope here. <laughs> Tommy was dope everywhere, actually. Another thing about that. Yeah, but uh, he was, he was, I, um, but uh, no, uh, who do we just pick up from Cleveland this year? This year, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was not paying one lick of attention with the thoughts of what probably was going to come from this. I mean, we, you know, we had Irvin Santana, but that was a couple of years ago. We picked him up, I think from Cleveland. Yeah. No, I, either way, it's just one of those things, man. Like we're, we, we get players, they underperform or, you know, we get players who, you know, they'll have these great years. And then after that, they'll just instantly deteriorate. Uh, a la Joe Maurer MVP year uh, has never touched 28 home runs in his life. Um, you, you know, just, 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 those, we'll get those weird outliers. I don't know. I mean, you, you look at Dozier realistically, his best year was, was it last year? His best year was last yeah. year? Two years you ago. Know, so, Two years ago. Um, All-star team. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's just a situation where I, I don't know what it is if we're, if we're just flat out cursed or if it's just, if it's an organizational thing or if it's a fan base thing, or if it's just these players don't work here or art attack thing or a heart... <laughs> <laughs> who's that with that one coach me. Uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, you know, I, I, we need Lou. We need coach Lou to get things going. <laughs> I love this British shit. I don't even know what they're saying. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. I, my apologies, my apologies. But I was oh, cool man, in the that's, movie. That's, that's my job. That's my job to break <laughs> the swear barrier. You know that. <laughs> um, I sent you a picture. Um, did you receive said picture? Uh, it is. You, you have done wonderful manscaping. <laughs> that is Billy Epler. That is the general manager of the Anaheim Angels. He and looks I like he to... says bro a lot, too, though. <laughs> yeah, he does. And I, I couldn't believe that picture, by the way. I'm going to show Demetrius' picture. Look at this guy. He looks like Max Headroom. I feel like he's trying to hunt, trying to, uh, trying to kill Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> Master Anderson. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, the Anaheim Angels are in an odd peril right now, where... They don't. They can't win. You know, they they make runs. They falter. You arguably have three of the top, the top ten like biggest superstars right now. You could you could almost argue because obviously Otani is a phenomenon because of what he brings. You know, there's media everywhere, so you have yeah. to put him there. But he's not I'm playing. sure. Well, I thought he's still batting though now. I thought oh. he was just not. I thought um, he, they weren't weren't doing any well, of it. There was talk that they felt he need, he needed to have Tommy John's, but they didn't want to do it because they didn't want to take his bat out of the lineup. 
Hmm. But I, I wasn't aware of that. But obviously, I haven't seen him, I haven't seen him hit like a bajillion dingers either. So there's that. Um, I think I think you know if you if you're investing in them, I I know it's it sucks to say it, but they're not making the playoffs. Just have them do the procedure. It's just what the Dodgers did with Julio Urias, and he just got out of the way and just get it done because it's not like you know 20 years ago when when guys have that and they're done. Guys are coming back from that now and they're actually succeeding. So you know they figured out the, the, the procedure. So I figured just get it over with, but. So, I mean, obviously, Otani, you know, if you look at top 10 jersey sales, I guarantee you Albert Pujols is still on there. Um, and you got Mike Trout, you know, the best player, you could argue, might be one of the best players that will ever play the game. I, 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 would, I have no problem saying he's the best player I've ever, that's ever played in my, in my generation. It's in, he's incredible. We just we don't, get to know, we, don't, we don't see anything about him because he's, you know, he's Kawhi Leonard. He's just quiet, doesn't do anything. You know, Tim Duncan. But with those three guys, but you're in this weird spot where you're – those three guys are so good that you can't rebuild because they're going to win you games, but your team's not good enough to contend to get in the playoffs. What do you, what do, you do when you're if – you're, if you're in the situation of Billy Epler right now? Um, you, you still – you still hold so- it. You still keep. I mean, here's the thing: is obviously at this point, um, I don't think it's the bats losing it for them, or, or and if they are, it's very minimal, uh, minimal aspects because it's going to be somebody like uh, the the. Uh, it's going to be the the hitting that's going to put the butts in the seats, but the bats are what's going to win the game, or the pitching is going to win the games, and they need some pitching. And you know, obviously, when Otani was pitching, he was doing great. So that was a definite blow that they never could have, you know, seen coming. But, you know, I just wonder, like, you obviously aren't trading. And, and, you know, Mike Sosha's contract's coming up, so th- that era is over with, too, potentially. And they just, they're in a weird spot, and it really kind of caught me off guard looking at a lot of this stuff. Do you think if you get the slightest inkling that Trout may not sign, because he's, you know, if I'm Mike Trout, I'm, I'd be getting a little frustrated that this team doesn't win, and isn't doesn't doesn't really seem outside of what they did with the Otani thing. Really hasn't done anything to make moves to get better. They just kind of are staying stagnant. You know, if, if you get the slightest inkling, do you even trade Mike Trout? Because I don't even know if you can get enough value back for him. Man, that's that's interesting. That you know, that'd be a uh, that'd be an Epstein esque move. I think, I you know, I don't think they got it. I don't think they got it in them. You know, it's. I mean, you could argue he's he's a modern day Mickey Mantle, and and. I mean, this guy. Every year he's been in the league, he's either finished first or second since he's been a rookie for MVP. I mean, this this dude is insane with how good he is. Yeah, I just yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you realistically ask for? I mean, do you call? I mean, do you, do you call? You cross the freeway and call the Dodgers and go, look, we'll give you Mike Trout and we want Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, and I don't know, Chris Taylor. And the Dodgers aren't going to do that. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's Mike Trout, but I wouldn't do that. But if you're the Angels, that's the only way you're getting three young guys who are all great and. 
you're you're being able to to sell to your fans that you just moved Mike Trout. It's it's such a weird catch twenty two if you're the Angels right now because even if you move the guy that could bring you the pieces to try to rebuild, you're gonna get you're gonna get annihilated for doing it unless you get the value. I think if you can get two guys, uh, two solid players and two prospects, you, you'd be doing fine. If you can get Tell two in the ro- two in the roster now, and uh, and and two uh, in the roster later, you're doing fine. Who's who is two guys that you would say are worth trading Mike Trout for? That both teams would agree with this. Hmm. Um. Do, do you call uh, and say we want Aaron Judge and Luis Severino? No, that, that wouldn't they, happen. That wouldn't happen at all. But and, I guarantee you, they could get Didi Gregarious and somebody else. I, that's not worth it for Mike Trout. If you, well, again, that's that's the thing. It's like you're you're gonna get you're gonna get a uh, you're gonna get a starter, a quality. You're gonna get a quality starter and a uh, and a, a mid level starter. You're not gonna get two top tiers, not two top tier young guys like you just named. And that's what I'm trying to think, like. That's what intrigues me the most about this is, is, to be fair, you could argue Mike Trout's value is worth the two Yankee guys that I said because of how good he is. But it's not worth it for the Yankees to do, even though they're acquiring the best player in the world. That's why it's such a such a hard thing is I I don't know if I can find equal value that helps both teams. It's you know the- it's what this is one trade that I just, I've never been able to try to, I've never been able to put a good way together with this. Two weeks ago, the twins probably would have gave him uh, Eduardo Escobar, uh, Dozier, Sano and Buxton. <laughs> I would have said, why don't you go get Logan Forsythe? <laughs> uh... You know what I mean? Okay. Like, what about if the Ange- or the the Astros offered Carlos Correa and like Dallas Keuchel? Oh, I it's take almost, that. You know, Dallas Keuchel's having a bad year. Is it just a weird slump from the World Series? Maybe, but you know that's one thing too. Where I think the Astros don't get hurt because they still have you know Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. And uh, the the guy who cheated against the Dodgers when he got that no hitter, Mike Fires, hmm. like he didn't have any substance. And then there's like a giant uh, zoomed in picture of this huge giant oil Vaseline stain on the side of his glove. He continues to rub. Like, then what the hell is that? <laughs> At least, oh, we don't know what that is. We can't judge. Oh, you guys are that, that, I, you know that's what I love about baseball. Pitchers are funny. I feel like I feel like they've been getting caught a lot lately. Between Pineda, um, obviously uh, Fires there. I mean, that's just there's been a lot of guys getting just slubbed for for some substances, man. I'm just like, how are you gonna not say? that this dude was, was not doing anything. Like, I'm looking at this picture again right now. <laughs> but You could do that like, when HD didn't exist, all right? When you were yeah. uh, filming games live on a potato, uh, you were definitely okay to do that. But now, and we see everything, guys. 
<laughs> I'm gonna, I, I think what's funny, too, is in the picture I'm going to send you, I think he actually just struck out Logan Forsythe in the picture. But look at, look at this picture I'm sending you. Look at this glove. Demetrius, look at this dude's glove. They're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, are you kidding me? Look at that thing. It, it looks like they, like, recode it every inning. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's, that's, uh, that's, that might be some sweat from his uh, oh, mustache. Oh, yep, there you go. Like, like, could you imagine the umpire every time he got the ball back when Fires caught it in his glove and threw it and he switched out the ball? Like, it'd be like hot hands hanging, like it'd still be in his hand when he threw it. <laughs> you know, like, give me a break. And, and obviously, I'm super butthurt because he no-hit the Dodgers and he's a trash pitcher. But, I mean, that just that kind of makes it worse. Then they beat him in the World Series with cheating again. Well, not cheating, but the league giving the Astros another benefit. Dicks. Con- controversy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's why they're like a new bitter rival for me. But this is a fun rival because I really like Altuve and Correa. I think Altuve is tremendous. But um, yeah, it's just like all in all, and maybe this is something next week. Maybe this is something to take for this this next week here, and when we talk next Tuesday. Try to think of a fair scenario that helps both teams on a Mike Trout deal, because this isn't like the Bryce Harper thing where. You know, Cubs throw a few prospects, maybe they get them. You know, the Manny Machado deal. I mean, Mike Trout is, this is a once-in-a-life, this is a Willie Mays type, you know, Mickey Mantle type player. This isn't somebody that just comes around all the time. Potentially and, the next Barry Bonds. <laughs> Damn. I think he's better than Barry Bonds. Stop. All right. I, am not, I will not let somebody besmirch Barry Bonds' name. Okay, what, compare their first four seasons or whatever. I'll, I'll, all I'm going to say is career-wise, Barry Bonds, again, if he could, he could strike out uh, 1,400 times in a row and he would still have a better on-base percentage than Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> like, a rod. Like, uh, Barry, Bo- Barry Bonds is an animal of a, a whole other – no, that's just – I refuse to uh, – nah. All right, well, nah. here, go on baseball reference. This will, this will be the end of our baseball segment. Go go on there, and let's pull up their first seasons. I'm not talking about Mike Trout's 2011. I got Mike Trout in front of me. You grab Barry Bonds. All right, Mike I, got, I, got, I got Barry. Okay. In his first year, Trout paid 139 games. How many did Barry play? 113. How many, how many runs did Barry Bonds score? 72. Trout scored 129. How many hits did he have? 92. Trout hit 182. How many doubles? 26. 27 for Trout. How many triples? Three. He had eight. How many homers? 16. He had 30. How many RBIs? 48. He had 83. And lastly, how many stolen bases? 36. He had 49. That's one year. Every single category, he smoked him and except doubles. And Trout just got better. <laughs> 190 hits, 39 doubles. I mean, I'm just curious, how many how many strikeouts for uh, for Trout? Uh, that first year, a 139. Oh, okay, 102 for Barry. Uh, he had a 326 batting average with a 399 OBP and a 564 slugging for a total of a 963 OPS. Here, here's here's what I want to say. This is Bond's rookie year. 102 strikeouts, 
That's his career worst. Uh, Trout last year only struck out 90 times. Uh, 90 times. Uh, let's see. Bonds has only struck more, out more than 90 times. One, two, three, four times in his career. Yeah, his, his plate vision was ridiculous. Um, uh, so here, here's Barry, another stat. Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds mm-hmm. career strikeout, uh, strikeout to RBI ratio. You ready? Yep. 1,996 ribbies. Career 1,500 strikeouts. 1539. Wow. That's, that's good. Yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive. I, I will not, I will never discredit that. Um, uh, so Mike 22 Trout, year career, mind you, 22 years. Um, Trout's played 1,032 games, and he's almost to 1,200 hits already in six years. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Barry, I will say that it's impressive. If you go the last four seasons, um, his on-base percentage went 402, then 441, then 442, and then this year 462. His slugging went 590, 550, 629, 621. But his OPS, 991, 991, 1.071, and 1.083. Wow. Those are, those are solid numbers. Barry's best uh, OPS. Actually, you know what? His career OPS is 1.051. Hell yeah. That's his, awesome. career, his career OBP, 444. Oh wow. His, yeah, his his best his best year OBP six oh nine. Oh that was a one four one point four two two OPS. Get it <laughs> was, was that he had a giant head because of uh he he was a frequent at GNC? Uh possibly. Possibly. Still unconfirmed for the record. baby. Still unconfirmed. <laughs> I just, I, um, I mean, you, you, I mean, you could easily, you could easily throw a guy like Griffey too in that that mix, you know, you know, guys like that. But it just, when you go, when you go every form of stat, this guy's a league leader in everything, and he's, I mean, he's only played six years or whatever, seven years in the league. Um, uh, weird Bonds to Griffey stat. It's like uh, I think Bonds, Bonds has. Um, Something like uh, 500 fewer outs uh, with like 1,200 more at bats. Damn. When, when, I still wonder what if Griffey never left Seattle and didn't get hurt. Yeah. I mean, I think I, he had 800 home runs. Possibly. You, he I think the, he. I th- go ahead. I think he would have made a. Good run towards the record. I don't know. I don't know if he would have got it. Because he was so, and the reason he was so good was he he wasn't big. He just had he had the most beautiful swing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he you know he, uh, top three factually factually top three swings is uh, is Griffey one, uh, Bonds and A Rod uh, like two A and two B. Yeah, A-Rod was people people forget because he was playing under Griffey how good A-Rod was. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
was good. I, I he was I had a buddy who loved Griffey, so I became an A Rod fan because I really liked the Seattle logo and jerseys, and I thought yeah. Randy Johnson and Jay Buhner was tight. So I I became an A Rod fan because of that, and. You know, I'm like, why is nobody else like this guy that I like? I'm like, everyone likes these other guys. And then, you know, and then finally, it, you know, everything happened the way it did. But, yeah, A-Rod was just – that's why I always get I always get a little butthurt when they're like – you know, and, and when people are – Yankee fans are like, oh, it's all about Jeter. Screw A-Rod. I'm like, come on, man. I like A-Rod. <laughs> I know. But Jeets like was – he was their guy. You know, like that was yeah, from start to play. finish. You know, like there's – Hundred percent. You yeah. you know Griffey. If you if you had to compare Ken Griffey to every sport, I think you have the perfect example um, in NHL and NFL. But I can't think of a good basketball one. But but he he is Mario Lemieux. Where Lemieux had six hundred goals to Gretzky's nine hundred, but he played the equivalent of seven seasons to Gretzky's twenty one because he had a broken back and he had non Hodgkin's lymphoma. He had cancer. Uh, you know, I got and, your perfect. I got your perfect and, uh, comparisons in a moment here. And then, obviously, I think in football you could say Barry Sanders. Yeah, or Barry Paul. quit on his own now. That, yeah. that's the or difference football. there. Um, uh, you ready for the basketball one? I got, I got two for you, and you're gonna say, "Shoot, he's right." Uh, Grant Hill. Yep, that's a great one. Or Anthony Hardaway. I think the Grant Hill one is 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 the way because sorry I'm eating again. Grant Hill <laughs> drink literally. Sprite? Oh, he, he used to kill the sprite, but he <laughs> literally was like Grant Hill drinks sprite all over the place, all stars everything, and then he changed teams like Griffey did, and it went all downhill. Yeah, then he got injured like nine hundred times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out. So, Shout out to those blue uh, teal Pistons uh, uniforms with the uh, with the Pistons logo with the the double exhaust at the back. That was tight. Love those. I movies. had the reversible jersey of that. It was the heaviest thing I've ever owned in my life. Shout out to Joe like, Dumars. It was a chore to wear that because it was like knitted two jerseys together, sewn together. I'm like, oh god, this thing's so hot. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so that's back when my, so, my mom wouldn't buy me a jersey. Which made me sad. Who's, Football one, because I think Mario Lemieux is the perfect one for the NHL. I think Grant Hill is a great is, is a perfect one for the NBA. Uh, I mean, I hear, I'll, I'll give I'll, I'll give you this one too. Hey, granted, he didn't win the championship. Uh, Terrell Davis. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take Terrell Davis. I'll take Terrell yep. Davis. Yep. Yep. I'm good at this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. Just like Mace. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about where we were going to go for the last two months. Let's save that for next week so we can banter about that. Because, you know, there was a lot of – the Twins ruined lives and it ruined segment for me. Let's break, come back. we got about a half hour left in the show. we got to talk this Lakers rumor. But I do want to break down the depth chart and kind of get your thoughts heading into the season. Because it's coming up. I mean, we're like a month away from preseason. So, I'm jacked for it. Uh, we'll talk some real MVPs. I do got a spit take, and I'm sure some other randomness will ensue. Don't go away. Sportscast Radio. Sick of doing those big leagues? We'll try doing one-day fantasy over at DraftKings.com. The guys over at DraftKings set us. Your boys up at Strong Style Media with our own promo code. Go on to DraftKings.com. 
Sign up today. Make your first deposit. Put in promo code STRONGSTYLE, and you'll get a bonus. It's that simple. Join in. Play some games. Have some fun. Week one's coming. August 2nd. Can't wait. Strong Style Media presents Sportscast Radio, the one that started it all. With your host, Ryan Cook, and me, Jordan Jiskra. We're going to be giving you everything, and I mean everything from baseball, football, basketball, hockey, field hockey, soccer, bobsled, boxing, poker, sports, basketball, chef, survivor, and even that weird sport where they do the hurdles and jump puddles in track and field. All right, maybe not that one, but from the college to the pros and from the rings to the rink, we've got you covered. Sportscast Radio fan of pro wrestling like we are, we got you covered from WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact, Lucha Underground, All Japan, and more. We're talking the highs and lows in pro wrestling. Heck, we're even giving you people from the Okadas and Omega. We're even talking the Bone Soldiers and Enzo Amoris. Sorry, Daniel. We'll stick to guys like this. Ryan Cook here, and you can check me out along with my co-host Alex Mello each Monday night, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the Strong Style Media Network. Calling all fight fans worldwide. My name is Elijah McNeil, and I'm one half of the best boxing podcast on the net. The one and only Standing Account Radio. Do you like hard-hitting commentary, analysis, and banter? Tune in on Sundays at 10 p.m. with my co-host, Ryan the Technical Legend Cook, and I break it down. That's Standing Account Radio, 10 p.m. Sundays, Strong Style Media. Hey, Alex Mello here, host of The Pop Culturist on the Strong Style Media Network, inviting you to join myself alongside Half Pint's Kyle Adams as we discuss all the latest news and reviews in movies, music, and television. Check us out every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time here on blogtalkradio.com. Also, you can check out The Pop Culturist archives on Blog Talk Radio, search bar, Strong Style Media, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in and Google Play to hear all the eclectic offerings here at Strong Style Media. We are conglomerates. Polo to the float out. You already know though. It's Adam Ville for real. You see your hoes just take a photo. I'm repping that on photo with a popo. Yeah, I'll take it if she turns to you. Polo to the flow though. You already know though. Hey. Scepter's getting a little crunk in this piece. Um, I totally forgot we got this. We got a bunch of little random necessities. We're gonna we're about to drop off on you here. Give me one second here. Let's do this. Let's do this first one. Nick Hagberg coming at you. We got a new get to know him, and we got to play it because I forgot last time to play it last week. Um, let me just let me let me cue it up. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Get to know him. I think it's known. So much can change over the course of the NFL offseason, and over the next few weeks, we'll get to know some players to keep an eye on as preseason games begin. The first of these players is rookie Dallas Goddard from the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles. What's important to mention is how Goddard will likely be an impact player from day one. 
Drafted in the second round, he's set to replace Brent Selleck and Trey Burton at the second tight end position. What's most promising was his standout career at South Dakota State, where he was arguably the best player in school history. He definitely has some receiving ability, as he recorded 164 catches, 2,400 yards, and 18 touchdowns in his final two seasons. Now he'll take his talents to Philadelphia and work with Doug Peterson, who has gotten the most out of underrated players during his tenure as head coach. While the step up in competition from South Dakota State to the NFL is a wide one, the learning curve may be quick, as Goddard could be in line for an important role this upcoming season. You know, I kind of wish the Vikings could have got that dude. Yeah, that's uh, that would have been pretty sweet. I uh, speaking of Vikings, I'm surprised that uh, the the sweet deal that uh, they gave Diggs, uh, where I feel like it really benefits the Vikings. Yeah, the the Vikings have like twelve or something like that core guys. I, somebody read a list to me earlier today that are all locked up to like 2020 or something like that or 2022. Yeah. But he was, I mean, uh, what, 80 something million with incentives. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, and so that puts him at like the number nine, his, his salary puts him at like the number nine receiver in the, in the, in the league. And the fact of the matter is if he, if he outperforms even a little bit, um, that's going to become a value contract because other receivers are going to get a lot more money than he is. Dang, I, I tried to I posted list of Vikings players locked up um to try to just, just get all these guys that they continue to keep signing. And the first thing that popped up was from the City Pages. October twenty eighth, two thousand eleven. It says, Meet the Minnesota Vikings all arrested team. Dang, <laughs> Since the year 2000, the Vikings are leading all of their team in arrests. Do you want to know the all-arrest team, Jordan? Uh, when is this from? Uh, this was from 2011. Man, is Sharper on that? That's way too well, way too our, early for Sharper. Our quarterback was Dante Culpepper. <laughs> our running back was Mo Williams. Okay. At guard, we had Marcus Johnson, who was uh, who got into a scuffle at a gas station. At oh, tackle, right. um, he sets the pace for the all arrest team, partially because of the sex boat scandal. Uh, <laughs> Bright McKinney, who was accused of performing oral sex on a woman in front of a crowd of people. <laughs> uh, at tight end, we had John Davis, arrested on suspicion of drunk driving in 2000 after a snowplow driver spotted him sleeping in his car in Wyzetta. Uh, also, 2004 officers uh, held stomp. Uh, he stomped somebody outside of a nightclub in Minneapolis. Uh, Steve Farmer. Oh, I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, our wide receivers rock and roll here. Is we got we got five rocking here. Randy Moss, Corin Robinson, Chris Walsh, Kelly Campbell, and Travis Taylor with Rhett Bomar on the bench for his Mankato hmm. summer DWI. Wow, I uh, that that list is pretty tame though. Considering uh, what do you got? Uh, you got was it the other cook that uh, potentially beat his wife or whatever? And then you got mm-hmm. uh, obviously you got sharper. Um, oh, well, let's get to the defense here because because before you mention these guys, uh, Everson Griffin, uh, Everson Griffin holds the record uh, Vikings record for most arrests in a single week. Uh, so that that happened. Uh, Kenny Nixon. Is sitting there three times. He got DUIs since he joined the Vikings. On defensive tackle Kevin Williams, uh, who also had a couple of those. 
and he had a fifth-degree domestic assault with his wife in a fight with her. Uh, linebackers, we got uh, E.J. Henderson and Mike Natiel. The quarterbacks, Chris Cook, just so you mentioned. Also, Fred Smoot and Cedric Griffin kicking it back there. Uh, Cedric Griffin, who bought bikes for me at Toys R Us, was arrested in 2007 for sagging his pants too low in a nightclub. Did you get arrested uh, which for was, that? He, like, he probably... Was he, he, was he must have got something. I don't know, maybe. He must, that, that's, there's, I don't understand how that's... Uh... That's a bit. I'm, I'm assuming he probably uh, started getting into it with the people. Okay. Uh, Waniel Whitaker, he was arrested by uh, mistake. Uh, so, uh, but he actually paid the ticket. So get this, arrested by mistake in 2007 for an outstanding warrant. Police ran Whitaker's place after spotting his car parked illegally in downtown Minneapolis. Records showed Whitaker had an outstanding warrant for an unpaid reckless driving ticket. But Whitaker actually paid for it. Police later apologized for the mistake, but he's got to make the list, it says, because the position was low. (laughs) (laughs) Dwight Smith. Uh, Darian Scott also sit on the bench. Uh, He was a defensive end who got cited for marijuana possession. Hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, by the rules of the game, we got grandfather Jared Allen, whose DWI arrest came before he joined the Vikings. So this team will struggle in the pass rush department, though. Hmm. Uh, the team is clause. We don't mean just off the field. Kicker Ryan Longwell and punter Chris Cluey has simply not pulled their weight, so the all arresty team will struggle on special teams. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. I, I that totally. I can't believe that popped up for me trying to find that, but I'm glad we got to read that. That's good. That's uh, that's almost spit take worthy. Speaking of speaking of spit take worthy, uh, I got I got to bring one up here. I was wondering where they're going to get another tuba player for the band. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the Atlanta Braves broadcaster Joe Simpson uh, and Chip Carey uh, criticized the LA Dodgers for the entire they wore during batting practice. I saw that. They looked very unprofessional. If I were a Dodger fan, I'd be embarrassed. And I don't know how Major League Baseball allows such a tire when the gates are open. Um, Dodger second baseman Chase Utley, who in particular drew the ire of Simpson, who said he respected his career, but that no socks and pants over his knees were an embarrassment. Utley was also wearing a Dodgers K-Cancer t-shirt, which was created by former reliever Jason Motti's foundation. A portion of the proceeds go to benefit cancer. So I don't see a problem with that. Uh, Kerry supports Simpson's comments about Utley and the Dodgers attire. You think of all the merchandise Major League Baseball does with their batting practice uniforms and the batting practice jerseys, I'm with you. It's called a uniform for a reason. It's worth noting that batting practice takes place two or three hours before the game time. and There's no direct bearing on the day's results. The league doesn't mandate its players wear uniforms during it. The Dodgers often don't wear their batting jerseys. Uh, then huh. says, even after a minute and a half critique, Kerry went on Twitter to continue. I'm not the guy taking BP and Capri mimicking uh, pants, no hey, socks. Did you say Capri? At Capri. Why not wear MLB-issued BP jerseys with names on the road so paying customers know who's up or who's who? Lighten up. Uh, Dodgers manager Dave Roberts has told the comments that like being called out. I take it personally when people question our professionalism. I'll put the way we play the game and the way we prepare against anybody's. I've got to hear all the audio, but that sets me off a little bit. 
Um, Kike Hernandez tweeted, tomorrow's batting practice attire, uh, wrestling trunks with L.A. over the crotch and Hernandez 14 on the butt. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Uh, is this not a get-off-my-lawn type old angry man? Oh yeah, like, that's that's exactly what that was. He spoils about coaches fighting with the umpire. Get out of here! I was waiting for him to be like back in the day when Ron Gant and Terry Pendleton, uh, Pendleton and David Justice and Fred McGariff and uh, Mark Lemke took batting practice. They were in full uniform. <laughs> They didn't even. It'd be 98 degrees out in the sweltering jungle, and Bobby Cox still had his warm-up jacket on. <laughs> yeah, I, I never saw the the crime dog take his jersey off. Like, get the <laughs> hell out of here, man! Oh man, that's ridiculous. That is pretty ridiculous. Like, I, how it's not like he was wearing flip-flops for F's sake. I mean. I, I might I might say something at that. If you're if you're taking BP and some you know some flip flops, maybe some Crocs. So he probably had probably had flip flops on. Oh man, if he, if I don't know, man, flip no, I, I can't allow flip flops. I'll get a little angry at that one. No no Crocs, no flip flops. Come on, Chase Utley probably played before this dude became a, a commentator. Who Chip Carey? Um, which and um, this Joe Simpson guy. Oh, I was gonna say Chip Carey's been doing it for a while. So was he with the? Did he do it? Who was was he with the Cubs? Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's Harry Carey's kid. Yeah, he he would he did it with um, Steve Stone was the guy who did it with him in, on WGN. Yeah, it was. I Come like. On, uh, now you got the coom dog on uh, on there. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember I booed when the crowd would chant coom. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting behind or like in front of the players' wives, and somebody's like, don't boo him. I'm like, why do you care? And we were, I was like 19, and they're like, because that's my husband. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then that's we funny. just cheered for Kapler and the Texas Rangers all game. Nice. <laughs> Shout out to the coon dog. Uh, do you have any spit takes tonight? I, I got nothing. I got an MVP if you want to hit an MVP at some point. Let's let's move to that. I just got soaked. Which leads us into that. Yeah, we're going segment to segment, baby. Sponsored by uh, whatever uh, Godiva limited edition birthday cake truffles. They are fire. I'm smashing them. Get them, get them now. Who is your real MVP, Jordan? Uh, I'm going to give it to one Josie Aldo. Uh, came back with uh, finally got a victory after like a year and a half. And uh, what's that? Uh, Jose Aldo? No, that's what I said, Josie Aldo. Oh, Josie. He doesn't pronounce the Hispanic names. 
I know I, I go crazy sometimes. Uh, but yeah, no recent UFC event. Uh, UFC event. Uh, he fought uh, Jeremy Stevens. Uh, gives him a wicked body shot. Uh, and uh, Stevens takes about two steps uh, back uh, and uh, realizes that his liver may be missing um, and uh, quickly goes to the ground. Uh, and obviously uh, Aldo gets uh, gets a good win there. Uh, so shout outs to him. Yeah. I was thinking of the soccer dude for a second. That's why I was all no. like, ah. No, no. The Joe's store. That's what I was thinking of. I was like, damn, what did he do? I thought that dude quit. No, no, no. I want to I want to see Aldo whoop McGregor because I think if they rematch he beats him. He caught him with a lucky uh, punch. I would you know I I would like to see that. I would also like to see maybe uh, obviously just like one more, um, one more one more go of that. But I want to see one more fight for for Aldo to see that he's actually got his legs back under him again because it seemed like yeah. uh, after after taking the loss there it was pretty rough on him. That's the one thing too. Like McGregor literally caught him with that Marquez Pacquiao just. The most perfect punch you could ever possibly land. There's a reason that Aldo was undefeated for ten years. You know what I mean? Like that. It's not a fluke that he was that good. No, yeah. So I, I still remember I that avenge that, that loss. GSP under GSP Shields undercard where he hit that dude with that elbow. I think it was, and that dude had like the uh, the Hellboy horn on his head. Uh, uh, because because he, like like it was just gross. Ugh. He had the Hellboy horn. Did it was it worse than Hasim Rockman's dent that he had after the Lennox Lewis fight? Uh it 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 might be up there. Uh it, it seriously might be up there. I, I, I just remember that that particular image sticking out, mainly also because the GSP uh shields was mildly underwhelming for, for me, so I thought the Aldo fight was probably the better one on the card. Did did you see the one when Michael Venom Page need uh, the the male cyborg in the head? Uh, no. Um, so do you know who MVP is? Michael Venom Page. Yeah. So he's doing boxing now because he's been beaten. He needs. They need to get him locked in the UFC. Uh, but he fought the you know the other cyborg Santos, not Christine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came in for a takedown. And uh, Paige saw it a mile away and threw a knee. And this is the result. If you look at this picture I sent you in his skull. Demtris, I'll show you. Oh, I've seen that before. Oh, my God. That is disgusting. That is disgusting. I, Joe Rogan says it's the worst MMA injury he's ever seen. Did it, did it pop oh, up for you? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's terrible. That look like so. He looks like when you drop like the the can of vegetables in the aisle at the grocery store. <laughs> oh my god! I can't breathe. That's one of the funniest things I've ever in my life. Like straight up, like like you know when uh, in Big Daddy when uh, he goes shopping with the kid and he's like micro sauce down six points and he like slams the can of soup. <laughs> it's like that. Like, what are you doing? Microsoft yeah. went down points. Oh my god, I gotta focus. I'm like laughing yeah. so hard I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, laughing yeah, so like she... when he gets to acne box and he thinks he's gonna win. I'm like wheezing laughing. 
yeah, so that, that's my MVP for the week. My real MVP, you guys are going to be shocked, but I'm going to give it to LeBron James. LeBron James. I started the I Promise School in Akron, Ohio. Uh, it's going to start with uh, third and fourth graders and then second and fifth and then first and sixth, eventually getting kindergarten through eighth grade by, I think, 2022, I think it is. Um, but he's looking at uh, hoping to get 2,300 kids with qualified scholarships. Um, basically, you know, you, you go through this whole whole school, you, you, you graduate eighth grade, and you commit and you finish high school. Basically, you know, he's going to pay your full way, 46 k to go to Akron. Uh, full college tuition on him. Kids are going to get free. Th- their uniforms are going to be given for free. They're going to get a – kids are going to get a bike and a helmet so they can get to school. Uh, free transportation if you're within two miles. All kids will be, will be given a free breakfast, free lunch, and free dinner – or free snack. Uh, it sounds like the days are going to go from nine to five too, so they don't have to be up at the crack of dawn. Um, it, yeah, none of that. I remember set like seven fifteen. You got to be at school. That sucked. But yeah, that was rough. So, so kudos to him for doing this. I think that's an awesome give back to the community. You know, once again, they're not burning his jerseys; they're praising his jerseys after you know his return. And I think it's a it's a class act move on behalf of him that, you know, I mean, this, this could end up being, if he gets all those scholarships that he thinks that his, his school can produce, that's $105 million towards these scholarships. So mad kudos to him for that. Uh, A lot of people too, it sounds like for, for filling the faculty, not necessarily the teachers, obviously, but a lot of the faculty, um, if, you know, if, if struggling parents have, you know, just like a GED and can't get a good job, he's gonna he wants to employ and hire them to try to get them going and, and help families succeed. So, a lot of good with this. I, kudos, kudos to him for this. He, he gets. I like they're going to be get, every kid's going to be given a computer, a free computer. So, Do you think uh, they can get J.R. Smith in there to learn how to learn how to <laughs> learn the clock? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the scoreboard. <laughs> They they gotta get Jared Smith to, to to pay attention. He needs some Adderall because he forgot what he was doing. He got a rebound. <laughs> he was on. Oh man, they just missed the rebound. Let's let's press the other. Why? What are you doing? Dang, Demetrius, did you hear that? What he said, Jordan? What's that? He said maybe Floyd Mayweather can go there. Oh Jeez. no. Uh, uh, why we go? We, we uh, I, I'm gonna blame myself for taking that dark turn on that one, man. Oh, <laughs> I, I just I remember, gosh, I, I was it uh, Fifty Cent who was like, "I'll give you a million dollars if you can read this book." Yeah, was like Harry Seuss? Potter. It was like I can't yeah. remember. I think it was a Harry Potter one. I think it was Doctor Seuss. It was like Cat and oh. Hat. He's like, "If you could read me this this book, I'll give you a million dollars." Dang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's messed up. <laughs> but that's uh, we got we got just a couple minutes left of the show. Shaq said he heard a rumor that Kobe's going to come out of retirement to play for the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> now, let, let me just let me just say my piece, even though I know this is never going to happen. Jason Tatum said that when he because hey, by the way, Kobe, what the hell is wrong with you? What are you training Jason Tatum for? 
That's a Celtic, homie. That's as bad as Jordan with the, the Clippers. Remember your roots. So I got beef with my guy, Cole. I already frothed that. Like, that's great. You're helping Jason Tatum. But that dude plays on the wrong team. That, that, you don't help him. Anyway, Tatum said he was, he was tougher to play against when they, were, when they were just playing than some of the guys in the league he played against. If, if Kobe really wanted to, we know he keeps great shape. You know, he's, he's the Mamba. He's always going to be good at it. You know, everybody said there's no way Magic Johnson's ever going to return. He got the itch, and the doctors cleared him and said, you know, the, the HIV couldn't be spread. So he actually came back. He got the MVP of the All-Star Game, played one season. It was a, a fun fairy tale. It was a nice send-off. I think Kobe went out the best you could possibly ask to go out, just like Pete Manning did. Um, obviously not a championship, but that 60-point game is one of the greatest single performances in that fourth quarter, especially I've ever watched. It was, it was amazing. But yeah. if he wanted to come back and take that, I'm going to play 16 minutes a game and come off the bench, do you welcome that? Uh, that, is, that is a really good question. Because um... it's not like he'd be coming back to be a starter, but you could have him come in as your second unit guy. Ah, you know, you you have them play the last six minutes of a fourth quarter after getting a little time in the third to warm up. I mean, that, I, I don't that, know. I, it's going to be, even if he's decoy, people are going to have to pay attention to it. I, I don't do it. Uh, Kobe's a starter. Doesn't matter. Like Kobe, Kobe's still a starter. If you look on that roster right now. So, so, so you have him. You have him play the. You have him do what KG did in in Minnesota here when we brought him back. He played the first six, seven minutes of the first. He played, he played about the first five minutes of the first quarter, and then he played the end of the second, the beginning of the third, and the end of the fourth. So he played, you know, four or five minutes each quarter. He played sixteen to twenty minutes, but he came in and brought energy and brought motivation and was more of a mentorship role. But you had him come, come in and start the game because it was KG and nobody cared. I uh, I'd be okay if he's starting. I'm not I'm not letting Kobe come off the bench. I you know and, and do you think Josh Hart or KCP would really fight with him about it? No, they wouldn't care. But I tell you what, opening night. I, if you can tell me that we would have we we potentially if it ever happened, we'd have LeBron, Kuzma, Ingram, Kobe, and Lonzo in that starting five. That just kind of gives you the chill. I I start Beasley. <laughs> did, did I lose you? Damn, I got booted. That's rough, man. That is so rough. Yeah. All I said, all I said was I would start. All I said is I would start Beasley. <laughs> no, but I mean, like. Wouldn't that be kind of a fun starting five to see walk out of the cart? Oh, absolutely. How many, I, how many starting I mean, fives I, have had? Uh, I mean, I know the Lakers have had it also with Bynum, but how many uh, how many starting fives have had more than one player uh, coming from high school? Ooh. Oh. Did Kwame oh. Brown come out of high school too? Yeah, but he was a wizard. Yeah, but Kwame also came to play for the Lakers. Yeah, I see where you're going. Yeah, he, I mean, he did start on the Lakers for a little bit, unfortunately. 
Um, that's a really good question, though. I mean, is it, it might be the, the Lakers might be the only ones. Because think of some of the people. I mean, KG, um, Jonathan Bender, Kwame Brown, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Um, I mean, who else? Bynum was one of the last ones. Bynum, Tracy McGrady. Was Pierce a high school guy? Yeah, Paul Pierce went to Kansas, I think, four years. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's people on on listening who are who are killing us that we can't remember these, you know. But but Coley played with with two of them, Bynum and Kwame. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting to think of. And you know, it's one of those things too where I bet if um, no, no, I don't want to go that route because he did it the right way. Um. I don't know. Like I said, I don't think this is ever going to happen. But yeah, you know, I mean, Shaq being Shaq, he's probably just trolling. But boy, he he had to have known by saying this that this is going to turn the NBA world into a tizzy. I mean, first take like opened with it. I think today. Yeah, that's funny. Do you yeah. do you think? Let, let me ask you this then, real quick, before we wrap up here. Just a couple minutes left. If first take went as far as opening their show with it, does this maybe have the Shaq's? statement maybe have more legs than we're really giving it if they went opening segment on it? Nah. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, it, it, but, you know, yeah. You just, sometimes you gotta you gotta start with the big market. You gotta start you gotta start La La Land. Yeah. I I'll tell you this though, I can't say it wouldn't be cool to watch Kobe try to get number six. Yeah. And now we could still stay ahead of but, stay ahead of LeBron. Yeah, he's like, that's why he comes back. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> I'll make sure you never catch me because I'll be on the team now. <laughs> but it's, you know, you know, like I said, I think that Utah game was, I, I would have, I could never have dreamt of a better way for Kobe to go out than that Utah game. Oh, absolutely not. That that was that was that was uh, ridiculous. I like cool. I probably still watch that I, fourth quarter. Yeah. And, and obviously we had such great moments with talking about uh, Adam Morrison's greasy mustache there too. Like, what was he, how did he get a ticket? <laughs> he like he got closer to the court as the game went on. Like, he's that dude who kept waiting for people to get up. Yeah, <laughs> Lord. And and the crowd and the atmosphere with all like the celebrities that were there and the way that the fans were. Like Demetrius gave it a standing ovation. He's a Kings fan. Like even he's like, I've never seen something like that. Like, that was incredible. And we were watching that live, which made it even better. Oh, absolutely. You know, God, that was fun. That makes you want to go back and listen to that Kobe Bryant tribute show. Uh, we had a sportscast and all those crazy Kobe games that I had with you guys. Yeah. Kobe's the man. With, uh, that was, oh, God, I miss Kobe. I like Raja Bell, or not? Was it Raja Bell trying to trying to throw the uh, fake throw the ball in his face, and he doesn't even blink? God, Kobe's cool. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's oh the mama, the mama's a deal. Uh, thank y'all for listening. We got less than a minute left. Uh, Alex will be back on Thursday, uh, not tomorrow, but Thursday with uh, pop culture. So we'll be back. You know, and we teased last night that we were going to be doing our mid-year award show. 
uh, this weekend that we've been trying to do. We might actually hold out a month, and I know it's not mid-year. It would be two-thirds of the year. But we're thinking because of interaction, um, we're going to wait to do that award show until we're at, uh, we're at StarCast and do it all in. I think it might be a fun, fun way to do a show uh, for the crowd. You know, it's something easy and quick, and we're not – you know, we we'll already have had our flagship type show on Monday, so it's not like you know we don't have to sacrifice trying to do another show. So we might we might hold out for a couple of weeks and do it uh, that day because that'd be a little fun interaction with all you guys too. So appreciate everyone listening, Jordan. It was a pleasure as always. Uh, to hell with the twins in there and Thad, and uh, let's see Kobe at Staples. <laughs> <laughs> Thad's tight. <laughs> We we love you, Thad. We'll catch you next week, Sportscast Radio.